The Pre-Med Year, session number 296. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. A welcome, welcome to the pre-med years. If this is your first time joining me today, welcome and thank you for taking some time out of your day to check out what this podcast is all about. Now, this podcast is all about giving you the encouragement, the information, the motivation to help guide you on your path to becoming at first a medical student and then ultimately a physician. My goal here started six years ago with the medical school headquarters to be the anti-student doctor network. And I live and breathe collaboration, not competition, every day. And I hope you do too. So today, we're going to cover some information. It's just me today, no interview today for you, but I have some great information. I recently just completed a course all about the medical school interview that I will be releasing soon. If you need some help with your interview process, Obviously, you can go back and listen to this podcast, which are free. Start at episode 19, which was an amazing episode with a former dean of admissions at three different medical schools, Dr. Norma Wagner. Start with that episode and work your way through. Find those interview episodes to get you going. I have my book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Interview that you can buy at Barnes & Noble, on Amazon, wherever you buy books. I think the Kindle version last I looked was $6. I don't set the price, Amazon does, so you can go check that out as well. If you need a little bit more help, you can check out my interview platform. It's an anytime mock interview platform. You log in and you get access to it on a monthly basis, and it records you answering your questions after I pop up uh, on a little video that says, why do you want to be a doctor? And tell me about yourself and all these other things. The key to interview prep is recording yourself and getting feedback. And my Anytime Mock Interview platform allows you to record yourself. And with a click of a button and an email, you can send it to a mentor, your advisor, whoever, for that feedback, as well as having a built-in assessment there for you. So can check that out if you need something even a little bit more in depth, a little bit more of that knowledge behind why the interview is important and how to do well. The interview course is coming soon. I have an older one that's available now, but I will be taking that down and replacing it with the new one soon. So with that said, one of the things I I brought all that up because today's podcast episode came up As we were going through the course and I was doing mock interview questions with students, one of the questions I wanted to ask them was, okay, come on, what is your red flag? Let me ask you about it and let me see how you respond. And I would say that the majority of students that came on with a concern about a red flag, I said, that's not a red flag. Don't worry about it. But they're like, but, but, but. I said, it's not a red flag. They're like, well, what is a red flag? And I've been doing this for so long. I'm like, well, it's obvious, right? It's what, what a red flag is. And then I kind of forget sometimes. And coupled with, and I think this is the biggest thing, coupled with the fact that you as a pre-med student have this mentality that you have to be perfect. And so that B minus, that C plus crushes you. 
And now all of a sudden you think you're done. Your dreams of becoming a physician are over because you got a C plus. And how are you ever going to overcome that? How is it possible? How are you ever going to explain if I want to be a physician and I need to do well in the MCAT and I need to be the smartest person around, how can I get a C plus? Well, it's very easy. You just get a C plus and then you move forward and you move on. Is a C plus a red flag? Absolutely not. Is 100 C pluses a red flag? Maybe. Right, one C plus. I had I had a student who wanted to go through her whole explanation of a C plus, and she had a whole great answer about what it taught her and what she's learned from it and how she's moved on, how she's grown as a student from a C plus. And it's it was it's hard for me to to understand at this point, it's just a C plus, because I see so many students getting into medical school, and most of the students I work with are non-traditional students, so they have horrendous grades. They have horrendous MCAT scores. And then they work themselves back, and they showed that they can handle it. And so when I see one C plus, I'm like, well, what are you worried about, right? I have this whole, whole history of students that I can show you that do just fine. I even had Cs in my, my application. I had a C in computer science or something. I had two C's, I think, on my application. Ridiculous, right? Computers. I'm a huge computer nerd. How did I get a C in computers? It wasn't a prereq, but that's all right. Still a C. So today, I want to go over what is a red flag? What should you be concerned about as you're preparing your application? How can you start to think like an admissions committee member so that you can start evaluating your application from their eyes, in their shoes. Because once you start thinking like them, then all of a sudden things get a little bit clearer for you. And you can go, okay, I can see how that is. I can see why that is a big deal. I can see why that isn't a big deal. And hopefully your anxiety levels come down. That's my goal here. I'm like the Xanax of the podcasting world for pre-meds. <laughs> I, I reduce your anxiety. And so today we're going to cover what, what are the red flags, right? What are some of the big red flags out there that if you have these in your application, you should be 120,000% prepared to talk about them and prepared to talk about what you've learned from them. So let's start first with how to respond to a red flag question. Let's talk about the first one I have on my list, arrests, right? If you've been arrested for anything, if you've been charged with anything, if you've been convicted of anything, all of those things are potential red flags. Now, depending on how questions are asked of you in the primary application, in any secondary applications, during any interviews, in anything that you have to fill out, Depending on how the question is asked, if you've had any sort of convictions um, expunged or arrests expunged or anything locked behind um, a secret, uh, super secret, like concealed, right? If you if your if your history was sealed or anything, I don't even know all the legal terms. <laughs> but if if you think everything's been erased, you still may have to say yes, depending, right? And I had a lawyer on uh, a long time ago. Go check it out. 
If you just Google Larry Cohen Medical School Headquarters, that should come up. Larry was on the podcast. He's a lawyer talking about how to answer these questions and what you can or should or shouldn't say. Right, so if you've been arrested, let's let's say you were arrested. I'll give an example of a student who I had, a student who has been accepted to or was accepted to multiple medical schools, is in medical school now, got scholarships at multiple medical schools. She was arrested as a teenager with prescription medication that wasn't hers, right? It wasn't narcotics. It was, it was something else. I, I forget specifically what it was, but it wasn't her prescription. She was caught with it. She was arrested. Eventually, it was... Um, she was never convicted. There was some sort of pre-conviction thing that she went through, and it was kind of just removed from her file. But there were some questions that asked, have you ever been arrested? And she had to say yes, because she was arrested. She was never convicted, but she was arrested. And so she had to say yes. And so how do you explain that? So let's talk about how to explain your red flags. If you've been arrested, or let's let's get rid of that. If you have a, a huge red flag in your application, you need to own it. I was arrested. I was hanging around with the wrong crowd. I made a a lot of terrible decisions, and I was caught, right? Own it. Own whatever it is that is standing out in your application enough for somebody to ask you about it during an interview. If you don't own it, even in your primary applications and secondary applications, if you don't own it, you're probably not going to get an interview. I had a great discussion with a director of admissions at a osteopathic school a couple weeks ago when I was in DC for an advisors conference. We we were standing talking about a specific student who was in trouble for plagiarism. He was busted for plagiarism in college. And he wasn't owning it. And the advisor was talking to the director of admissions and we're we're standing there discussing stuff and I, I didn't hear any names or anything, so it was still all anonymous to me, but I, I heard this, and, and the student wasn't owning it, and therefore the school wasn't willing to, to, to accept that he's grown, that he's been able to be more mature and understand what he did was wrong. If you don't own it, then there's still a huge question mark hanging over your head. So you have to own it. Okay? You have to own it. That's step one. In your red flag, you accept it, you own it, and then you talk about what you've learned from it. You're not talking about anything. You're not making excuses. You're not doing anything other than owning it and talking about what you've learned from it. How have you grown from it? How have you grown more mature? How have you learned your lesson? How, what, what are you doing to work on you as a person so that this doesn't happen again, ever, hopefully? Right? And as we go through some of these red flags, we really, really hope that it never happens again. There are some things that life comes our way, and some of these red flags that we'll talk about, they may be unavoidable, but at least they're explainable if something comes up. 
right? And all of these red flags are potential red flags because the school, as they're reading your application, doesn't understand the full picture. If they're looking at your application and there are some gaps in it, right? It's a potential red flag and they're going to say, hey, what's going on here? It could be a red flag depending on what your answer is or it could be, oh yeah, life got in the way. I can see that and they'll move right on. It's not a red flag. Okay? So own it and talk about what you've learned from it. And if possible, depending on some of the situations, maybe you you tell a story about another situation where if you were in your old ways, it would have gone one way, but now you're a different person, more mature, etc. You're you're moving in a different direction. So let's run through what I was able to throw together. I threw together about 10 different red flags that I think are potential red flags, right? It's potential red flags. Some of these are like clearly red flags, but some of them are potential red flags depending on what the reason is behind the red flag or the potential red flag, whatever it is in the application that the admissions committee member is looking at and scratching their head saying, hmm, I wonder what happened here. So right off the bat, I I talked about arrests, right? If you've been arrested for anything, convicted of anything, misdemeanors, felonies, anything like that, that's a potential or it is a red flag and you're going to need to explain it. Being a physician is all about judgment. And being arrested for anything shows potential poor judgment. As a kid, we're expected to have poor judgment, right? Our brains aren't fully mature until we're like 25 or so. And so it always baffles me, right? There are some stupid things that I've done as kids and other friends that I have. Like we all did some stupid things. And luckily, we were never arrested and never convicted of anything, and, and it never rose to that level where, where we were stupid enough. But it's really easy for a kid who maybe doesn't have the best home life, who maybe doesn't have the best support system and friends, who makes a bad decision, and it's going to be a black mark on their record forever. That is understandable in an admissions committee's eyes as long as you own it and show a, a, a strong track record of being an upstanding citizen from there on out. Right? If you have this repeating story of arrest after arrest after arrest after arrest, then you're probably not going to get into medical school because you don't show good judgment. Right? You screw up once, okay. Right? You're a kid, whatever. But then you should have learned from that. So that's a red flag. Another red flag, another judgment thing, right? Again, anything that brings judgment into question is going to be a potential red flag that you will likely get asked if you get to this point in the application process. If you've had any disciplinary actions from your institution for cheating, if you've had any cheating, plagiarism, anything on your record, that's a huge red flag. If you get to medical school and you're cheating or you cheated your way into medical school, that's not going to look very good. If it happened freshman year and you've learned from it, you've grown, you've got no other issues the rest of your time, great. 
you made a dumb mistake. Why did it happen? Or own it, right? Own it. Don't make excuses. What did you learn from it? It's huge. Were you caught cheating senior year and you're applying, right? Or junior year and you're applying two months after you got caught cheating? That's going to be a lot harder to overcome because now you don't have a track record of personal growth. Anything further back in the past is much easier to overcome than anything recent. All right, speaking of recent, another red flag, downward trends. If you have a downward trend in your GPA, recently, by, the, by around the time you are applying to medical school, that's a red flag. If you are stumbling into your application grade-wise, something is up. What? Are you burnt out? Do you need to take some time off? I certainly won't want to accept a student who's stumbling in, just getting by, struggling to pass, whatever it is, right? Because medical school is going to be a lot harder. And are you just going, going to continue to do poorly? Now, if you have a downward trend early, a lot of students take to uh, take on too many extracurricular activities freshman year. They're coming in, first time away from home, first time in a environment where they need to have better time management skills, organizational skills, better, better priority um, setting, not procrastinating, right? So first time their teacher hasn't really held their hand. A lot of students do poorly in the beginning. They have that downward trend and or, or downward Hey, I guess trend. I, I think a trend is near the end anyway. But anyway, <laughs> the downward path of their, their GPA in the beginning, and then they rebound back up and finish strong, right? So maybe they have a 2-5 freshman year, but then they have 3-5, 3-7, junior or sophomore, junior, senior year. Great trend showing what they need to show. They have a bad semester, a bad year. That's okay. As long as you have a good, solid track record past that and long enough to appease the admissions committee and show them that you are okay, that you can handle the coursework that is coming in medical school. If you have that downward trend going into the application, that's going to be a much harder thing to overcome. And if you get an interview, then you'll have to talk about what's going on. Okay, I have separate here another another red flag that is common, unfortunately, and it is related to being arrested, and that's a DUI. Right, a DUI, again, another judgment issue. I listed it separately just because a lot of people think, oh, like, I'll never get arrested. I'll never do that, right? I'm not hanging out with the wrong crowd. But a lot of good people go out and go celebrate at the bar and then get behind the wheel. I had a recent conversation with someone who's already accepted to medical school and then got a DUI. And what do you do then? Do you tell the school? Do you wait to see what happens? That was a hard one. And I, I'm i all about honesty, being upfront and owning it. Would you rather them hear about it later from someone else when they do a background check? Or would you rather tell them and say, hey, I made a dumb mistake. I own it. I've learned from it. 
I'm learning from it, right? I will learn from this, especially if it happened right now. And luckily, the school was okay with him. It happens, right? We are human. We make mistakes. Schools understand that. Just depends on how big the mistake is. And really, will will it, right, and trying to get into the mind of an admissions committee member, will it potentially be a problem during medical school? So judgment issue, are you a cheater? And you're going to continue cheating in medical school? That's a huge issue, right? Are you maybe an alcoholic and this is your third DUI? What the medical school needs to think about is the safety of you during school, the safety of your classmates during school, and your ability to pass medical school and do well on the boards, as well as patient safety while you're rotating through hospitals. And then on top of that, they have to think about your ability to get a medical license after you graduate. Do you have some sort of arrest record, some sort of issue in your application, in your life, in your past, that is going to affect your ability to get a medical license. That is how admissions committees think. Safety of you, safety of the class, safety of your patients during rotations, your ability to pass and get through medical school, your ability to pass and do well on the boards, to to be able to match, and then ultimately get a medical license. As soon as you start thinking like that, any question that you throw at me, just just think about those things. Right, A lot of you are going to email me saying, hey, Dr. Gray, I heard your Red Flag podcast, but my, my situation is unique. And I always give myself a little chuckle because everyone thinks their situation is unique and it's usually not. It's usually not. So if you listen to any of these different scenarios that I'm throwing out, you probably fit into one of them, right? The words may be a little different, but it's probably the same as any of these that we're talking about. All right, another red flag. If you have failing semesters, if you just failed out of a semester, I was doing uh, the this interview class with a student and she had 16 Fs in a row. I was like, whoa, that, that's definitely a red flag. And then she explained what happened. And it made complete sense. And I said, yep, you made a, a bad decision. I can see why you made that bad decision. And I can see that you've grown from that and you've shown that you can handle coursework. No problem. Let's move on. Right? As soon as you remove their fears, they can just move on like it's not a thing. Okay, So if you failed from a semester, a semester, two semesters, if you've failed out of college, right? If you get kicked out of college, those are issues. What are the, what are the reasons? Can you own the reason behind it? Or are you going to blame a teacher for being hard? You don't want to do that. Don't blame, own it. Again, if you failed a semester earlier on, it's easier. If you fail a semester right before you apply, it's going to be a lot harder to overcome that. And you may need to take some time off, do a post-bac, et cetera, to get that upward trend going again. Too many withdrawals can be a red flag. 
Now, it all depends on what this looks like. Are all the withdrawals in one semester or one year? Then it may be obvious to see something went on in this person's life at this time, and they had the wherewithal to withdraw, right? That shows a level of maturity versus the other student who had 16 Fs, right? It lacked a little bit of maturity, and that's okay, right? When she gave her reason for or why it happened, you can see that her judgment was definitely clouded. And that's okay. So if you have, instead of 16 Ws or 16 Fs, you have 16 withdrawals because maybe the same thing happened and a different student was able to, to think through it a little bit more and just withdrew altogether, will it come up? Definitely. Will it stop you from getting into medical school? Absolutely not. Own it. What did you learn from it, right? Especially for 16 Ws, whatever it is, right? If you have a semester of withdrawals, a year of withdrawals, and you can explain what happened, great, let's move on because the rest of your application looks great. Now, let's look at maybe a different scenario where you have a couple withdrawals every semester. And I see that you've withdrawn from the same class a couple times, and then you've taken that same class at a community college and gotten an A. Right? That is a red flag. Why did you withdraw from the class at a four-year university? Why did you end up taking it at community college? If you have a great GPA, but you're withdrawing every semester from classes, are you just protecting your, your GPA? You're like, oh, crap. Like, uh, I'm going to get a, a B plus in this class. I... I don't want to, I'm going to withdraw. Are you just running from it? Only continuing on if you're going to do well? Those are red flags. Let's talk about extracurriculars. Not enough shadowing, not enough clinical experience. Those are red flags. How can I know why you want to be a physician if you don't have enough clinical experience, you don't have enough shadowing? How have you shown me that this is what you want? And on top of that, if your application doesn't show the reader why you want to be a physician, why do you want to dedicate your life to healing others? A lot of those applications just say what, what you've done without reflecting and showing why you did it, why medicine. And this one's hard because you will not probably know that your application doesn't paint the right picture. And so you'll walk into an interview thinking you own it and the interviewer is grilling you because he or she is confused about why you want to be a physician because your application doesn't really reflect that. So you have to when you're, when you're writing your application, when you're writing your personal statement, your extracurriculars, your secondary essays, everything needs to point to why, not just what. So you, you did this extracurricular activity. Great. Why did it make you want to be a physician? The why, not the what, is a big red flag, and it's a tough one because you may not know about it until you go in and get grilled by the interviewer. So not enough shadowing, not enough clinical experience. The next question that's going to come up is, well, how am I going to know? What, what is enough? 
right? What is enough clinical experience? What is enough shadowing? That's a tough one. There's no set number. 50, 100 hours of each, whatever you want. Right? There's, there's, no, there's no set number. There, there's a checklist, but there's no checklist. Just get enough and be able to show the reader, show the interviewer why you want to be a physician. And then the, the last thing I have here as a red flag, big gaps in your application. Right? Big gaps in, in not volunteering, big gaps in, non, in clinical experience and shadowing. Maybe you shadowed for, for 300 hours your first two years of college and then nothing since. You're like, oh, I got 300 hours, I'm good, right? SDN told me I'm good. But the message that shows the admissions committee is that you just really aren't dedicated to being a physician or else you would have spent more time being around physicians. Consistency is key in all of your extracurriculars. And a lack of consistency with big gaps in it is going to stand out as a potential red flag. If you've taken any prolonged period of time off of school, it's a potential red flag. Right? You may have a, an amazing reason why, but it's a potential red flag that's going to get asked. And a lot of secondary essays, a lot of schools will ask, if you've had any gaps in your education, please explain why. Because a lot of students have it. A lot of students have good reasons for it. They, they read the secondary essays, they move on and say, great, we're going to invite you for an interview. So those are all potential or they are red flags, something to think about as you are applying. Are there others? Of course there are others. Just remember to put yourself in the shoes of the admissions committee member. Are you going to have any sort of safety issues with you? with your classmates during school, with your patients during your rotations? Are you going to be able to pass medical school? Are you going to be able to pass the boards? Are you going to be able to match? And and more importantly, are you going to be able to get a medical license? And just kind of aside, a random thought that just popped into my mind because a lot of students will ask, why is it so hard for international students to be accepted to medical school? So when you put your put yourself in the admissions committee member's shoes, that last thing, right, getting a medical license, is that an issue as an international student? Well, not necessarily, but there's one thing that could be an issue, getting a visa, right? So you graduate medical school, you match, and there's an issue with your visa, for some reason. Now there's a huge problem. And medical schools see that as a very, very big risk and therefore they don't accept international students or they accept very few international students. So now you can see why international students have a much harder time of getting into schools in the US because there are potential issues on the other side. Right? It's not, it's not anything other than that as a big issue. Right? There's, there's funding issues because they're not eligible for scholarships or not scholarships for um, government loans. But then there's issues on the other side. Will they be able to match? Will they be able to, to get a visa? Things like that you need to think about. You need to put yourself in the shoes of the admissions committee member. So what isn't a red flag? I mentioned earlier the student during this interview course wanted to talk about her C+. 
a C plus, two C pluses, three Cs, right? They're, it's not a red flag. They're they're not great grades, but that's okay. Is an F a bad grade? Is that a, a red flag? Sure, potentially. Did you get an F and then you repeated it, got an A, and there's really no other Fs on your application? Probably not a huge issue. You, they, you may get asked, hey, what happened with this one class? Own it. Would you learn from it? Move on. A lot of students who've taken the MCAT more than once think that their first MCAT score is a red flag. It's not. If you've done well the second time, it's not a red flag. If you take the MCAT back-to-back or even with some prolonged period of time in between and you get the same score or a worse score, then there's a potential red flag. Right? What, what happened where you didn't understand that Whatever you were doing the first time didn't work and you repeated it and you got the same score or worse. Then that's a potential red flag. Below average MCAT score and GPA. A lot of students will, will go into the interview and say, I, my GPA is a red flag because it's below your average. Well, it's not a red flag. You're at the interview. They've obviously vetted your application. They've looked at your GPA. They've looked at your MCAT score. That's not a red flag. I want you to be less anxious going into your interview. If you are there for the interview, then they've looked at your application. They've looked at your GPA. They've looked at your MCAT score. And they've determined, based on your application, that you are qualified enough to be a student. Your GPA is good enough. Your MCAT score is good enough. Is it is it amazing? No. Is it average? No, it's below average. But it's not a red flag. You, they may bring it up. If you just have to get it off your chest, right? If, if, if I'm telling you it's not a red flag, but you're like, but, 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 then if it's asked, right, do you have any red flags? Then you can say, you know what? I don't know if it's a red flag or not, but my GPA is below average. Here's what I've learned, blah, 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 blah. Right, maybe you can explain one poor semester that caused a below average GPA. But again, if you're at that interview, your GPA is good enough. Your MCAT score is good enough. And then the last red flag that isn't a red flag, and and of course, I was doing some research for this episode, and I, I log on to that three-letter website that I've named a couple times in this episode that I shouldn't have. And somebody was like, oh yeah, here are the red flags. And community college was listed in that list. Community college classes are not a red flag. I hope that in the future, community college courses are the norm, are the standard. You leave high school, you go to community college for two years, and then you transfer to university. Not every student is meant to go to college. Not every student knows they want to go to college right after high school. So community college is a good way to to figure that out. It's inexpensive. Some states it's free. So taking those classes are not a red flag. And there's a lot of discussion in the admissions world that we are hurting diversity of medical school classes because historically it's lower socioeconomic students, more minority students who are going to community college. And the less diverse students, the more affluent students are the ones going straight to four-year universities. And because historically, not it, it's it's going away, historically, There are schools out there who do or did frown upon community college classes. There was this 
perception that the classes were less than, and so it was hurting those more diverse students coming in. It's not a red flag. The tide is changing in that world. So don't worry about your community college classes. I talk about David. He's in the hangout all the time. He's starting med school at Wake Forest soon. And he did almost all of his, or if not all of his, pre-med, pre-reqs at community college. He was working full-time, going to school full-time, and had a family. And community college was the only thing that fit his schedule. And he was asked about it, right? Why community college? Some of the more old-school interviewers questioned it. And he had good reasons and had multiple acceptances. Be prepared for anything on your application. Know your application inside and out. Have reasons for everything. Own your red flags. Talk about what you've learned from them. Talk about how you've moved forward. Hopefully this episode was helpful for you. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any ideas, suggestions, guests for me for future pre-med years episodes, just shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time on the Pre-Med Years. (laughs) 